Ecclesiastes chapter number 6, verse number 10. Finally, be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength. Put on the whole armor of God that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this dark darkness, against evil spiritual forces in the heavens. Hallelujah. Can we read it together? Just read it from six from ten to twelve, Ephesians chapter number six. Are we okay to read it? All right, let's go. Be ready, go. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle, do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of dark wickedness in the heavenly places. Hallelujah. We have been talking about foundations. Amen. Foundations. And um, we looked at the foundation of the word. Somebody reminded me that I haven't finished the foundation of the word. And we looked at foundation of fasting, isn't it? And we didn't finish the foundation of fasting. And uh, we are going to look at foundation of prayer. Amen. But before we do that, this scripture here is saying, Paul is saying to us that be strong in the Lord. Hallelujah. And in the fullness of his power. How can you be strong in the Lord if you are not strong in his word? The Bible says that in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. John chapter 1 verse 1. Hallelujah. So, God is the word. So, if you're going to be strong in the Lord, then you have to be strong in the word. Hallelujah. Because if you are not strong in the word, you are not strong in the Lord. Amen. And the fullness of his power is not just being strong in the Lord, but everything that the strength of God carries. And everything that the strength of the Lord carries is in his word, is in prayer, and is in anything that makes prayer powerful. I don't know whether I'm, I'm trying to set myself up. So, when we are talking about being strong in the power of his mind, we are talking about any and everything that makes God strong in us. And it goes on for. The word for is because. It's the same as because. Because we, our struggle or our wrestling is not with flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of this dark age, against wicked spirits. And he were, Paul was saying that because the wicked spirits have been there before you came. And they were there before Jesus came. And when Jesus came, they attacked him. And the way they attacked him was using the word. So if you don't know the word and they attack you, you'll be found wanting. The modern day Christian, we are strong in the peripherals. We are strong in things that appear godly, but not in the main thing. We are very shallow in the word. We are very shallow in prayer. We are very shallow even in fasting because all those things are very, very mundane and difficult. We like the easy things and not the hard and difficult things. But he's saying that for, the for there is because, listen, because the, the people you are dealing with or the op opposition that we have are not opposition that you, are not flaky. They are not dull. They are very sharp. They are very wicked. Hallelujah. They are very strong as well. 
So we cannot dwell in just their peripherals. We cannot dwell in just the shallow end and expect to be victorious as Christians. We have to go deep. We have to make sure that our foundations are deep. The building that we put on is deep. Hallelujah. Because the, the, we, we, we said that the winds and the flats will try it. These wicked spirits will come against us. They will come after us. Are you with me? And when they come, what we are built on is what is going to withstand their onslaught. Am I making sense? So we need to become strong in the fullness of his power. So we started talking about the word. And I gave you a lot of things. I don't know where I got to. How to do Bible study. Amen. Kinds of Bible study. Did we talk about kinds of? And the ways of studying the Bible. And the reasons why we must study the Bible. Are we okay? So now, I, I, to finish with this, I'll, I'll revisit it again. Because I feel that what I've done is just the headlines. We have to go into the details of the news. Are you, are you getting it? So don't be worried. I will revisit all the things we've talked about. If that is all I talk about this year, it's fine. So we're going to take our time and go deep in learning how to study the word. Are you with me? We'll go deep in learning how to study prayer. I think I did prayer a few years ago. And uh, we did for how many, how many weeks? It was like three months on just prayer. And I, I, I gave you 28 kinds of prayer. That was a few years ago, wasn't it? So we're going to go back to do all those things again. Because some of us are new to this. Some of us really want to. How many want to go deep? Okay. So we are going to take our time to go through how to pray. How to fast. And how to learn and study the word of God. Some of us are very good students. We study a lot of things. We can do law. We can do whatever we do. But when it comes to the word of God, we are not good students. So we are going to do that. Amen. So today I want us to talk about how to study the word of God. Very quickly. And then I'll finish how to fast before I'll start and finish the foundation of prayer. So I have 20 minutes to do all that. So I'll be rushing through, but that's okay. Just as you approach any thing that you study, studying the word of God is not the same as quiet time. Quiet time, you only have about 5, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, isn't it? And, and you read a scripture, you have a commentary or whatever, you write what you've learned. That is quiet time. That's a different thing. When you are going to study the word of God, you need time. That's the first thing you need. Hallelujah. Oh, am I talking to myself? Okay. A lot of us, we don't have time for a lot of things. The world we live in, we don't create time for anything because we are very busy. Social media has engaged our time so much that we don't have time for anything else. How many will agree with me? Have you quantified the amount of minutes, time you give to social media? I, I'm going to give you a, a homework. Quantify the amount of time you spend on social media this week. Amen. Some of us, the time we spend watching TV is too much. The time we spend on Netflix is too much. The time we spend on things that don't matter is too much. Time is really there. But the problem we have is that we misuse time. Some of us, we sleep too much. And that is how come we don't have time for anything else. Because apart from sleeping... Social media has taken a chunk of, and then your normal life, if it's school or work, takes something 
And then the other th other time, even your phone calls are too long. That is why you don't have time for the word. If you are going to be a good student of the word, you need what? Time. Just as you need time to study your history, philosophy, what else? Law, uh, engineering. You also need time to study the word of God. Somebody will say, why do you need time? You need time because you need study. In uh, uh, 1 Timothy 2.15, says, study to show yourself approved. So if you want approval from God, you need to study. And study is not the same as quiet time. You, quiet time is a, a normal thing. You do 15 minutes, but you need time to do study. And apart from time, you need the requisite material, which is a good Bible, a good study Bible. You need a good notification. That is, if you are old school like me, you need a good notebook. If you are new school, you need a good, I, I don't believe in, uh, what do you call, electronics very much because it's only one little misclick and it's gone. They say there's cloud. Me, I can't find the cloud. I don't know how to go into the cloud to get anything back. So, <laughs> I, I have notes. I have my notes from 1984. I have my notes, sorry, 1994. I have my notes from 1992. I have notebooks of that I had from church. I have them. I think I brought some the last time. A few months ago, show, to show you my notebook. See, if it was on a, on a phone somewhere, by now the phone is lost. You know what I mean? Because in those days, there was Nokia or Motorola. If you wrote, no, no we had um, that one. The, 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 no, the other one, the professional one, what's it called? No, before Blackberry. There was Nokia, the, no, the slim one. No, no. It was Nokia by business phone. I had one. Can't remember the name. It was a business phone. All the business people used to use it. Was, no, no. Nokia phone. Yes, slim, slim one. I can't remember the name. When I remember, then I'll tell you. But that was like, if you had that one, it means you're a serious person. It was not. That was, Blackberry replaced it. It was a Nokia phone, but I can't remember the name. <laughs> no, tell Pastor Gloria, something will replace the almighty Apple. <laughs> that you have been making too much noise about. Anyway, anyway. So, I believe in writing the notes, keeping it. Are you, are you getting it? So, have a good notebook. And have a quiet place to study. You cannot study when there's so much noise. Just as you cannot study law when there's so much noise, so can you not study the word of God when there is noise and activities around you. Get rid of all your iPads or your, what do you call it? I things that will make noise. Because when the phone goes ping, you want to see what it is. And you get distracted. Are you getting it? So get a good place. You know, when God wanted to have a discussion with Moses, he said, come up here. And when you're coming, come alone. Don't come with anybody around you. No, it's not this one. It's a very long, it's 60, 63 to 10, no, something. 63 10i. Yeah, it was slim, slim Nokia, infrared. That was before infrared came, uh, Bluetooth came. Some of you were not born then. 
<laughs> and for, for, for some of us, it was new technology. We didn't know anything because I remember the red phone box. The red phone box. How many of the red phone box? The red phone box on the Fred uh, in the booth. You have to walk. You have to walk. Sometimes you have to walk like a mile, and then you put your coins in, and you go beep 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 beep, and you hear con. Then you put twenty minutes, then start counting down. <laughs> so you have to talk very fast. If you make international calls, you have to have a lot of coins. <laughs> Anyways, anyways, don't waste my time. I only have 20 minutes. A quiet place. And then you need to have a type of Bible study you want to do. We talked about types. If it's a topical Bible study, then you need a topic. And when you have a good uh, uh, study Bible, like the Thompson Chain, the Dick's Bible, Annotated Bible, or any study, good study Bible, if you go to the appendix, you go to the back, and you put the, top, the topic there, it will give you all the relevant scriptures that you can look up. The Thompson Chain is good for topical Bible study. So you want to talk about marriage. You want to talk about uh, uh, fasting. You want to learn about anything is a topic. When you go on the topic, it gives you a lot of scripture, relevant scripture. These days, some good, if you Google some, some but Google is, is not, I won't recommend it because it takes you on a wild goose chase. Because it takes you, somebody has preached some nonsense about the topic and that is what Google will recommend. Uh, so you don't want to get into that rabbit hole. So get a proper study Bible and you can get into it and then read all that there is to read on the topic. And as you are reading, ask yourself when, where, how, who, what, why. And those questions will give you a map to follow, whatever the topic is. Because you need the context of the text. All right? What is the context of the text? What is the background to the text? What happened? The, the context is what the, the staging area of the text. Then you have the pretext, which is what happened before the text. Do you understand? So what happened before this particular thing came? For instance, the parable of the sower. What brought about the parable? Something must have triggered Jesus teaching that parable. That's the pretext of the text. What is the context of the text? That is, he sets the context as a story. We don't know whether it's a story, but it's a parable, isn't it? A parable is a story that is teaching something. So he uses the, the farm or agriculture to teach most of the time Jesus used agricultural parables. Are you with me? Like animals, crops, whatever. So don't focus on the sowing. Don't focus on the seed. Because the seed and the sowing is teaching us something. What is it? Because you can easily read and all you are seeing is seeds. You are seeing tongues. You are seeing ground. You grow rocky ground, you say, you know, tony ground, good ground. So when I tell so you, are thinking about farming and you are thinking about seeds, but no, no, no. That is the context. He sets the, 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 the thing in the context. So that is the context. Now, what preceded the context or the text? So the pretext of the text, do you understand? The context, he's using this. Are, are you getting it? And then the post. After that teaching, what does he say? Because that the post text also tells you something about the text. Am I making sense? So all those things, like that—that that is topic, right? Then you can do 
um, character study. You take a person, you're going to study about Paul. You're going to study about David. You're going to study about Abraham. You're going to study about Solomon. So, you take the person and then you look at what is written about the person. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, for most Old Testament, the very good area to go to study a, pe a, a personality is usually in Chronicles, First and Second Chronicles, because it gives you a historical background to the text. Am I making sense? So that helps you. Then you go into the scripture, First Samuel, Second Samuel, wherever it is. If you are doing David, or if you are doing uh, Moses, you have to look at his books here he wrote. And then all those things tells you or you can learn about the character. When you are learning a character, don't look at only the good parts of the person. Do you understand? Because the good thing about the Bible is that the Bible teaches us the weaknesses and the strength of the person. It's not just the, weak, the, the strength of the person alone. His weaknesses and everything is exposed. So look at the weaknesses of the person also. And let it teach you something that in spite of somebody like David, in spite of his many mistakes and his many failings, he was still God's favorite. Why? Because of some, some things that he did. What did he do to end the person, the title, a man after God's heart? What did uh, Abraham uh, do to end the title, a friend of God? What did Adam do to become who he became? To become the one who was the first person to be sacked from the garden. Do you understand? There were some weaknesses that you need to learn in Adam's character. Adam had some strengths. He had some weaknesses. Learn those things. And all those things becomes a character study. So we have topical study, character study. I gave you the different types of study, didn't I? Sorry? Book study. So you take a book, you study the whole book. You can do a, 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 a biography and all those type of things. For, because of my time, I'll come back to all these things, but I'm just skimming through it. Is that okay? So can we pause on the study here and continue later? Is that all right? All right. So we are going to fasting. We are talking about fasting last week, isn't it? And I gave you the different types of fasting, didn't I? All right. And then what else? Where did we end the fasting? National. National. So I gave you ten different kinds of fasting. Is that all right? Was it seven? All right. And um, what else did I say about fasting? Forgive me, I'm just trying to. Fasting is a sign of humility. All right. Okay, so a few precautions. Make sure that medically you're, you are certified or to fast, isn't it? The kind of, we talked about kinds of fast you can do. So precautions and what you can do, what you cannot do. And understand something, that fasting does not twist God's hand. You cannot use fasting to, you know, let me say this, let me say this. Sometimes the answer to a prayer is no answer. Do you understand what I'm saying? You are praying and asking God to do something. That God help me to marry this man. It's a, it's a prayer, isn't it? And then you begin to fast that God should give you this man. This man, I hope you are okay with that, me using you as an example. Yeah. But God knows the end from the beginning and knows that this man is not it. So the answer to that prayer is no answer. So you can fast from today to next year. The answer is still what? No answer. Sometimes God not answering is a blessing for you. 
That was the answer. Paul prayed a prayer that God take this stone away from me. And God didn't answer him the first time. He prayed again. God didn't answer him the second time. He prayed a third time. God didn't answer him the third time. Then after he had forgotten to pray about it again, God answered and said, my grace is sufficient for you. So the answer to the prayer, the first time, the second time, the third time is, my grace is sufficient for you. Go through it. Are you getting what I'm saying? So sometimes we get frustrated as Christians praying and fasting for something and we are not getting a result because we think that by much fasting and prayer we can twist God's hand. But God knows that the thing you, are, you want, because we are limited in our thinking, our scope. So we, what we need is what we see. And because of what we are seeing, we want this. And we feel that this is everything. If I get this, my life will be over. My breakthrough is, is this one. Are you getting it? But God knows the end from the beginning. that This one will destroy you. So you pray once, twice, three times. You can pray with all the fastings and God will not answer. He has answered. It's just that it was not the answer you wanted. Jesus was praying that, Lord, if, if it be your will, let this cup pass over me. He went again and prayed a second time. Lord, if it be your will, take this cup. Then he went the third time. Lord, if it be your will. But you see, Jesus was smarter than Paul. Because Jesus knew that if this is not happening, then he ain't it. So, nevertheless, let your will be done. Not my will, but your will be done. Because the will of God was that he went through the cross. Are, are you getting what I'm saying? So sometimes we are praying, we are fasting for God to change something, and it doesn't work. I'll give you another example. David. David had taken Bathsheba, had a, a, a child with Bathsheba after he killed Uriah. And the baby got sick. And David began to fast and pray for God to heal the boy. Prayed and fasted, fasted and prayed, prayed and fasted, fasted and prayed, prayed and fasted, fasted and prayed. Then in the middle of the prayer and fasting, somebody came and told him that the boy is dead. Immediately he got up from the fasting. He, he, he freshened himself, had a bath, and then he said, bring me food. And yet, now, okay, because the answer to the prayer has come. That the boy must die. And the boy is dead. See, that's the thing about David. David knew who God is. And he knows that, you see, for some of us, if it were you and I, we'll get angry with God. We'll get angry. And we'll, because we can't find God, we'll find a pastor. And get angry with the pastor. Or if we can't find a pastor, we'll get angry with the church. And stop going to church. Because God did not come through for us. <laughs> Are you getting it? Because according to us, I mean, I have fasted and prayed. I have prayed and fasted. Why don't you heal my son? No, this boy has to die. That is the answer to the prayer. Hallelujah. One thing I've come to understand is that God is not sentimental. God is not empathetic. He's not emotional. Another thing I have come over the years to learn in serving God is that don't hold anything too dear. As soon as God sees that you are holding anything too close, he will ask for that thing. I remember I had a church. That church was very powerful and I, lo I loved the church. It was like my whole world was invested in the church. My money, my marriage, my life, my health, everything was in the church. And I loved it so much. One day God said, give me that church. Huh? From that day, I decided that no church is important. I am the pastor of the church, but I don't really, if, they, if tomorrow I have to leave this church, I'm gone. I won't even think about it once. 
I saw myself carrying speakers again, going to start another church. And the church that I have invested, built a nice building, we're doing f- uh, three services. As soon as the first service is finished, the second service starts. I mean, I was a very powerful pastor. When I'm coming, I have two people in front, two on the side, two at the back, and I'm coming, I'll have my bodyguards. It wasn't easy. This uh, now when I'm working, nobody minds me. It's like, even hello, I don't get around here. I mean, by the time I'm coming, my, my uh, what do you call it? The armor bearers are waiting at the car park. As soon as I pack my Bible, everything, then they are just walking in the middle and they are holding me. I'm coming. Very, very powerful. Yeah, when I'm coming, nobody, even my, my spot, if I don't take it, somebody will take it from me. <laughs> God will ask for it. Are, are you getting it? Yeah. And sometimes if we don't take care, we feel that prayer and fasting will secure it. And it doesn't secure it. Because God says that I will not have any other God apart from me. So when he sees that your, your faith and your God is going to that thing or that person, he takes it away from you. From there, I learned not to hold anything dear. So the second church, when I went and it was time to leave, I gladly left. I didn't even look back to see who was there. The third church, when I was leaving, I said, bye, and I left. Because he would take whatever you put above him. Are you getting it? So fasting doesn't twist God's hand. Fasting draws us closer to God. Fasting unblocks the ears to hear what God is saying. That is why when you are fasting, don't engage in too many activities. The modern day Christian, we fast with too many activities so we can't hear God. I mean, when I was growing up as a young uh, Christian, when we fasted, we go to the gardens, away from everybody. And we stayed there. In fact, the literal, when we are going to fast, we say, I am going to climb the mountain. In God, in, in, in which means that I am going to climb. Because when I go to climb, there is nothing to see on the mountain apart from God. I don't know why Pastor, Pastor Kiran is happy at the back. But literally, he says that I am going to climb. I am going to the mountain. Because when you fast, you make your ear light enough for God to speak to you. Are you getting this? So one of the things you must do when you fast is that move everything away. People, place, things, everything. You know, surround yourself with godly things. Godly things worship music, and make your ear light for God to speak to you. Because fasting draws us a little closer to God for us to hear what he wants to say. Fasting humbles us so that everything that we hold that makes us feel, I, was, I gave you that illustration. Fasting, fasting makes you your spirit man even though the outward man is perishing, the inner man is what? Is getting stronger day by day. So the more you fast, the more your spiritual man becomes stronger. Am I okay? Can I move on from fasting? So precautions, if you have a medical condition, then you have to modify the fast. All right? So benefits of fasting, you're humbling yourself, you are set, setting the, your, the right priorities of life. Because when you fast, you set yourself the right priorities, which is your God, not your stomach, not anything else. All right? The key to effective fasting is combining it with prayer. If you know you don't have time to pray, don't fast. 
Otherwise, it's hunger strike. Oh, I'm fasting, but I don't have time to pray. My friend, go and eat. Because you are not fasting. Effective fasting goes with effective prayer. Can I say that again? Effective fasting goes with what? Effective prayer. Because if you fast, you are fasting for 21 days. And you are not praying 21 days. You are not fasting. You went on a slimming journey. I'm not going to set you a rule, but the minimum you must pray when you are fasting is three hours. Minimum. That is me. I'm not giving you a rule. I'm just saying. It's, it's not in the Bible anyway. You know, Paul, Paul will say that this is not what God said, but this is me saying. I am also saying to you that when you are fasting, this is not in nowhere in the Bible. Don't say that the Bible says, I am saying that when you are fasting, the minimum you should pray is three hours. Do you understand what I'm saying? Otherwise, the fast is not effective. Are, are you getting what I'm saying? So when you say you, are, you want to fast, I mean like the old school, when we say we are fasting, we go to the mountains, we go into the, the, the garden. There's nothing there. The garden is dry. There's nothing. It's just sun beating you and then animals walking around. And that was effective fasting because all you have is the Bible and then you are praying. Are, are you getting what I'm saying? So if you really want to fast, take time out of work, out of school, go somewhere and then go and fast properly. If you're a minister, that three hours is increased to a minimum of six. That is me saying, not the Bible. Because if you're a minister, the minimum you should pray a day is one hour. If you're a full-time minister, the minimum you should pray a day is three hours. So those potential ministers that you are coming, that don't like prayer. <laughs> All right, let me go. I want to go. My time is up. Are, are we okay? Can we leave this? We'll come back to it. The foundations of prayer. Because of my time, I can't read Matthew 6, 5 to 8. When you pray, do not be like those who pretend to be someone they are not. Who stand in the places to pray in the streets because people can see them. Can you see that? But when you, are, when you pray, verse 6, go into a room, be yourself. After you have shut the door, pray to the Father who is in secret. And then the Father who is in secret will reward you. Hallelujah. So prayer is communication with God. Prayer is just communion with God. Amen. Prayer is just communion with God. Prayer just gives us the access to commune with God. And then, I, I, number one, prayer is an invitation by God to commune or have intimacy with you. Prayer is not you inviting God. To have intimacy with you, but prayer is God inviting you to have intimacy. What makes me know Pastor Gloria more than anyone in this room is intimacy. Do you understand? What will make you know God more is prayer. Because prayer gives you the opportunity to come into the private room of God. You understand what I'm saying? So, 
Luke chapter 11, verse 1, Luke 18, verse 1, Luke 18, verse 1, says that men always ought to pray and not to faint. Are you with me? The more we pray, the more we get closer to God. Number two, very quickly, my time. Jesus is the greatest example of prayer. It doesn't matter how things are going. Jesus in the middle of a convention and things are working, people are being healed and everything. The Bible says he withdraws himself to go and pray. I was saying to someone earlier on before the service that prayer is like charging your, battery, your, your phone. When you use your phone for a very long time, the battery runs down. Are you with me? And, and, and say, for instance, if you put the, the, the touch light on your, on your um, thingy, it dies on your phone, dies. Are you with me? Why? Because the, bat- the, the battery life is running now. If you continue using that phone without recharging, the phone will die on you. Some of us, our Christian life is dying on us because we, have no, we do everything but pray. See, sometimes I feel dry. I, I feel like I want to, I'm tired. Emotionally, spiritually, physically, I'm tired. This thing, there's no meaning to it. It's because your phone is dead. Or dying in, or as you are. Because as you are on the phone talking, there's interruption. Why? Because the battery is weak and it's dying. So it gets to a point, you are talking, you are doing everything, but the person you are talking to is disconnected. Are you with me? The phone is useless in your hand. Why? Because you haven't recharged it. It's the dead phone. Why? Somebody's trying me, but God. Number three. Understand that when you pray, there is somebody at the end of the prayer who hears you. Because prayer is communication with God. So don't talk like a parrot without giving the opportunity for the person at the end of the the prayer to also talk back at you. A lot of us, when we pray, in Jesus' name, amen, then you are going. That's not prayer. Don't talk at God. Talk to God. You know, there are times that my children will come and they'll talk at me. I ignore those type of conversations. Earlier, my daughter came and said, uh, the, uh, this weekend, we are going to the zoo, so we need some money. I ignored it. Because it wasn't a conversation. Uh, I, I'm not making sense. It was, you are talking and making demands. It's not like, oh, you haven't listened to what I have to say. What you asked for is a good thing. Going to the zoo, my daughter is not the one going to the zoo. My grandkids are going to the zoo. She says that I'm taking them to the zoo. It's fine. It's a good thing that you are taking your the kids to the zoo. That's fine. But the approach, you talk at me. I was thinking about it. That's how we behave in our prayer sometimes. We talk at God. And that's how come God doesn't mind us. Are you with me? After you have made your request known to God, did you hear him speak to you? It's like using a phone without a receiver or the receiver doesn't work. And the transmitter is the only part of the phone that works. Ah! How do you know the person at the other end heard you? How do you know the mind of the other person at the end of the phone? Because God is at the end of the phone in prayer. So how do you know whether he heard you? And if he heard you, what did he say back to you? 
So true effective prayer is when God speaks back at you. And that is when you give God the opportunity to talk back at you. All right? So, 1 Peter 3, 12. Just write it down. You can check it number four. Because of time. Prayer is also an act of faith. In Luke chapter 18, verse 6 downwards, he said that, Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, would he find such faith on earth? Hallelujah. A lot of times, people don't pray because they don't believe that God hears and God answers. Prayer is an act of faith. I am praying because the God that I'm praying to, he is able to do. Ephesians 3, 20 says that he's able to do unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or think according to the power that is at work in us. Hallelujah. The power that is at work in us is faith. So he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask because of faith. Hallelujah. We pray in that when we hear, we pray, he hears us and he does what we ask him to do. Amen. Number five. God promises to answer when we pray. Matthew 7, 7 to 11. Ask, seek, knock, it will be open. For whoever asks, receives. Hallelujah. If you ask in faith, you are going to receive. Amen. So let us not pray for the sake of prayer, but let's pray for with the with assurance and the faith that this prayer will be answered. You understand the difference between a, 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 a true believer pray, prayer and a prayer of an ordinary Christian is this little thing. So we pray, but we don't have faith in the prayer. We have prayed because the Bible says we should pray, but there's no. Did I tell you about that uh, little deaf and dumb boy? You know, in those days when we went for uh, evangelism to pray, we go to a village to pray. And sometimes they'll bring like the sick for us to pray on. And this, one of these evangelisms that we went, we went to do a, like a crusade. We prayed and then they brought this little deaf and dumb boy. When they brought the boy, we started praying. This boy will not hear anything. Hey. Then at the point, there were about seven of us surrounding the boy, holding hands, pouring all the saliva on the boy. In prayer, this boy will not. So we went and brought our prayer warrior. He's called Niadu. Now Niadu came. He's the guy who says, let us pray. Heaven, open. Then we'll go. We'll be praying for three hours, waiting for Niadu to come and give us the next prayer topic. And he's gone. He's gone. Sometimes he come four hours later. Shall we pray? Rain fall. After four hours, he just comes rain fall and he's gone. For another four hours. Hey, Niadu. <laughs> he used to punish us. And his prayer topics are very short. <laughs> Two words. Heaven open, rain fall. Then my guy was standing next to me. Guru said, Lord, we tie, we tie, we tie, we tie. From morning we pray. <laughs> that was his prayer. <laughs> so we went and brought Niadu. And Niadu came. He said, all of you, move. We are in a circle praying. We have been praying for this boy. Nothing was happening. He said, move. Looked at the boy. And he came. And he has a certain walk. He walks. And he had to came. Look at the boy. Look at the boy. By this time, we were praying. You know, we were trying to back him in prayer. <laughs> so we were, like, looking at... Our champion. <laughs> he came. Look at the boy. Put his hand there. Rapata Kalibu. <laughs> and then one, and the boy said one, two, he said two, three, he said three. 
Then he said, I, I told you, you people don't have faith. I told you people. That they won't believe me, I do. <laughs> that was just his prayer. Rapata Karibu. Say one, say one, two, say two, three, say three. Hey! <laughs> We, 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 we had been there more than an hour and a half on this little boy. But that is the faith and the lack thereof. The guy knew that his one prayer will do the work. For us, we had been praying all the while. We surrounded the boy. All the saliva in our mouth were finished on this boy's forehead. It's nothing. But you see, when God has done that for you before, you are confident. And the second one he does, you are confident. And so he knows that all I need to do is this little thing. And so his faith was bigger than ours. So he came and that was it. So it is the amount of faith you have in. And that is how come when you share your testimony, it grows your faith. Do you understand? You pray for somebody and the person is healed. It grows your faith when the person shares your testimony. And the more you share the testimony, the more your faith is growing in it, in God. Are you with me? So now you know that when I pray, that is the difference between like different Christians. I have been praying for deaf and dumb, and deaf and dumb have been seeing, uh, hearing. So I have a certain faith that my prayer works. Are you with me? I've I, I been praying for the dead, and the dead rises. You have been praying over you. You have a certain faith that other Christians don't have. Are you with me? Yeah. You've been praying for, you know, when you build a certain faith in that thing, you know that, and God always responds. I'm not making sense. Yeah. So, prayer is effective. And I said to you, there are about 28 different types of prayer. I can't go into it. When we get back to prayer, I'll take my time and revisit. Prayer of agreement, prayer of intercession, prayer of faith, prayer of... There are about 28 different types of faith. So, we'll take our time and study. Because when you read Ephesians uh, 6, it's like praying with all kinds of prayer. Do you understand what I'm saying? Which tells you that it's not prayer is not just what you are doing. There are different kinds of prayer. And you see, if you don't know it, you can't use it. So it means some of us we have never gone into different kinds of prayer. We only pray one. I I you getting it. But there are different kinds. Amen. And each prayer has rules. That governed them. It took me three months. Is it three months? To discuss just prayer. So I can't do it in three minutes. Are we okay? Stand to your feet. Let's go home. We'll